0: Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works.
1: So last week, we started reading Refactoring, the Ruby edition, by Shane Harvey, Jay Fields and Martin Fowler. So we're going to continue on looking at the first refactoring example that we started looking at last week. And this will be pages 7 to 18 of chapter one.
0: And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. So what did you think of the reading this week?
1: I enjoyed the step by step. I feel like it's letting you in gently. It's walking you through it, holding your hand. And there were some familiar things from, I think, 99 Bottles and some new things too. But the pace is very good. So I'm enjoying it. What about you?
0: Yeah, it's very thorough. Yes. It's very, very thorough. It's just, it's step by step. I feel like each step we take, there's, you know, a reason for it. And usually there's a name associated with a thing that we're doing. Uh, and it's, it's really nice. And I like the flow of you know, we see this problem, here's a solution. Okay, now that we have that solution, here's the next problem. Now let's add, you know, let's figure out a new solution. So it feels it feels very much like we're following a story uh, and a real life example. So I, I really enjoyed it. Great, so shall we crack on with the book? Mm-hmm. So we are starting with decomposing and redistributing the statement method. So just to give our listeners a reminder, we are working on this video rental checkout system. And we started with this really, really long method called def statement. And it's in our customer class. And the def statement is basically reading out a statement. So it looks at the movies that you've rented and whether they're regular or new release or children and what you owe. And if you have, a, what is it, like frequent frequent rental points, I think is what it's yeah. called. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of other things. And so it spits out the statement of what you've rented and how much you owe and all that. And when we looked at this example last week, we saw that it was really, really long, really clunky, lots of comments throughout. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at how to refactor it.
1: So the first step that's suggested here is to find a logical clump of code and use extract method. And I thought, yay, we know what extract method is because we did this with Sandy and Katrina. And the first clump of code that they focus in on is the case statement. So this is a case statement that works out what the price is gonna be for each rental based on the movie type it is and based on how many days you're renting it for. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that we need to do when we're going to do a extract method is find the variables that are local in scope. And so in this case, we're gonna have local variables and the parameters. And we've got the rental that we're dealing with. So that's the rental in question. And also the this amount variable, which is the accumulator for the price for the specific rental that you're looking at.
0: Yep. And one thing that the authors say also is that any unmodified variable I can pass in as a parameter, which is really helpful. And it helps us understand that, you know, even though we have these variables inside of our methods, that's not the only way they can exist. And so noticing that some of these unmodified variables, we can actually move them and, and position them slightly differently and make our code better uh, was really helpful. And they talk about specifically how modified variables need more help and need more care. You kind of have to keep track of them a little bit more. Uh, and so as a result, they're just they can end up being a little messier. So that's one of the first things we're going to tackle.
1: Right. And so because the, the case statement alters this amount, what we do is, so if we look at the code that we currently have, the def- the statement method, we've got the case statement, and just above that, we have this amount initialized and set to zero. So we've got this amount equal to amount four, which is a new method that we are extracting out. And it takes the argument element, which refers to the current rental that we're looking at. And we define a method later on called amount four. And that has the body of the, it has the case statement in there, the case statement that we've extracted out from the statement method. But it's the first line of that method says this amount equals to zero. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now we have a method which internalizes all the modification that's done to this amount and returns that to be used later on in the statement method. Yes. So extract method is quite a common refactoring method, as we have seen from its appearance in 99 bottles. And in this book, they say that for programmers in many different other languages, they have automated refactoring tools that does this for you automatically. So... It's interesting because I think it's not just to do with different languages because I'm thinking of, I've used RubyMind before when working with Ruby. So that's an IDE, Mm. so it's a more powerful uh, way to, a a more powerful environment for writing code. And I'm pretty sure that I've highlighted bits of code before and said like, extract this into a method and it sort of suggests Mm. you what that method name will be and what the arguments are. So there definitely are ways now within Ruby and outside of Ruby to automate this refactoring task.
0: How helpful was it in your experience,
1: having a tool do it for me
0: almost automatically, yeah, like did it actually work as well, it, it sounds like it did
1: I was only dealing with simple cases, and it generally okay. did work, yes, but you have to be careful. sometimes you might need to re- rename certain things or double check the parameters the way you want them. It's not it doesn't always work quite of Mm -hmm. the the way you want it to. But I think for most of the time, at least the times I've used it, it's been a time-saving thing. It's just saved me copying and pasting things that I was going to do Mm -hmm. anyway.
0: Right. Okay, cool. So now that we have moved that case statement into its own thing, one of the things that we're going to do is actually rename this amount because in the context of amount four, it's probably not really that helpful of a name. Uh, And so we're going to change it to just result because at the end of the day, we're just trying to get back a result. Uh, And it's interesting because it seems like a very simple change and the authors actually ask, is renaming it even worth the effort? And the answer is yes, because good communication is Worth the um the the effort and making sure that your code is clear is is really good. And also, I appreciate the fact that your code should ideally be in a place where it's okay to change names and it not you know destroy everything. Which is why we have tests and why we do really small changes. So this is um if nothing else, it's a good chance to see how good your test coverage is uh, to change that name and make sure that things still work and you're able to identify any issues. I really like the tip
1: that they have here that says any fool can write code that a computer can understand. Good programmers (laughs) write code that humans can understand. Mm. Yes, yes, definitely something to keep
0: in mind. I like that too. So next we're going to move the amount calculation to a different place. And one thing that we notice is now that we've isolated that case statement, we can look inside and figure out what are the different uh, data points that we're using. And we realize that even though it's in our customer information, we're actually not using any customer data. Mm-hmm. All the information that we're getting is really about the movie rental. And so we can just ask the rental about its movie, about its days rented. And we're, we never really ask the customer for any information. So we're going to move that def amount for method out into the rental class. And instead of calling it amount for, instead, we're going to call it charge. So now that case statement reads def charge, and we still have result equals zero, and then case movie dot code, and all those branches are the same, and then we're returning result, and that charge method is now in def rental. And so this is a pretty big change. And so the way we're going to make it really easy and transition it very nicely is back in our customer class where we originally had our def amount for, instead of just completely destroying it at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to use that as the forwarding method and we're going to have it delegate to the new method we just created. So in our class customer, we have def amount for passing in the rental argument. And then inside, the only thing we have is rental.charge. So it's calling the new charge method we created in our rental class.
1: Right. And so after that, we need to go and find every reference that we have to the old method, the amount for method, and change it to this new charge method that we've created. So remember in one of the previous steps, we set this amount to be equal to amount for and then taking element as an argument. and so we change that to now read element.charge, which already reads which already makes much more sense given the grand scheme of things. And once we've made that final change, we can now delete that method in the customer class, which only delegated
0: to the charge method anyway. Yes, exactly. And so we run our tests, make sure we didn't break anything or that we didn't miss anything, and everything passes. And now what we're going to do is take a look at... Can I interrupt? Sorry. Yes. One thing that's interesting that's worth saying is that they say that the only
1: time where you might not want to delete the old method that you're now delegating to the new method is if you have like a public API or an interface that you don't want to change and so it's useful to keep that there for that compatibility so I thought that was an interesting point
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah So now that we have our tests are still passing and we have a nice uh, method delegation happening and things are are shaping up, the next thing we're going to do is look at the this amount variable we have because it's pretty redundant and we're going to eliminate it using the replace temp with query, which have we come across that before in our previous reading? There was It felt new to me. Yeah.
1: There was was it earlier on in this book that we read that having um the temp variable was a smell or was that in ninety-nine bottles?
0: I think that was in I thought that was in Confident Ruby, but I, I'm not sure.
1: Oh. Well, I know we've read recently <laughs> that having the temp variable. Okay, maybe Having bottles, the temp yeah. variable is a smell, and I remember we were both like, oh, um I like temp variables. Yeah, I didn't know that was a smell. <laughs> so it was interesting now that it's come up with this idea of replacing the temp variable with a with a query.
0: So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the first place we set this amount, which is right at the beginning, uh, right after our at rentals.each do. And then we have element and the next line reads this amount equals element.charge. And so that's where we first set our temporary variable. And we're going to just get rid of that. We don't need to set it anymore. And then afterwards we have, I think it's two places where we call this amount. So instead of calling this amount, we're going to actually call element.charge. And this is the part where it might feel a little gross because we're calling something and running a method twice instead of just saving it in its place and and just calling that value again. Uh, But I'll take a little bit later is when we talk about this idea of optimizing and calling multiple things. And when is it actually bad and when is it actually good? And I think the main takeaway with that point is simply, let's write good code first, and then let's see how it performs. And looking at the performance aspect is a separate activity that we should handle later on and not right now.
1: Yes. And this is a discussion that we've had in the past, isn't it? Where Mm -hmm. people try and make these changes because they say it's going to improve code, but really they increase complexity and often don't get the performance gain that they think the performance gains that they think they're going to get and so in the end it's the lose-lose situation <laughs> yep
0: <laughs> exactly
1: and so it's yes do the refactoring and then run some tests do some benchmarking this is if something's too slow then say how can i how can i improve it and measure your changes to check that you're actually being effective
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yep exactly one of the biggest problem areas that has come about by this replace temp with query refactoring is that because we're calling, um, element dot charge twice, we have to make sure that the charge method is idempotent. So as we change Mm -hmm. it, it's not modifying it every time we call it, it's returning the same thing. Um, because it says usually a method like this is a query method. And so it's got no side effects. So it's not a command method where it's making a change in the database. It's just asking for something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got to make sure it stays that way. And this is when good tests are really helpful because they can uh, help us find out if there are any faults or any issues there. Uh, and so we can make sure we rely on our tests to to cover our bases there.
1: Right. And, you know, we end on this point that says that the reason why temps are a problem is because you end up having to pass a lot of parameters around. And that just leads to conflu- confusion. You lose track of, what refers to what and why they're there. And when we can get rid of them, it just means that we can have a better understanding more quickly of what the code is trying to do and not have to worry about how we can move bits and pieces around. Yes, for sure. So
0: already I can see how this method is starting to look a bit better. Uh, Oh, yes, we were able to, you know, get rid of a huge chunk of it and just encapsulate it, name it something and put it in a totally different class, actually, but in a class that makes a lot more sense. So I'm feeling really good about the, the direction of this refactoring. Fantastic. So, in this reading, we explored a lot of stuff. We explored extract method, replace temp with query, and move method. So, we want to know have you used any of these methods before? Or maybe you've used them and you didn't realize they had names. Uh, and was there a method that was new to you? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!